Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Welcome to Long-Term Care podcast. I am your host, Bill Keith Ali. I am an RN and Certified Director of Nursing and Administration in Long-Term Care. And today's topic, um, we have the, pri- the privilege of um, speaking with our uh, first Deputy Coroner from Montgomery County. So I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity to take this time with us so we can, um, you know, put some information out there for our facilities. Of course, um, I'm always trying to be a resource for um, our long-term care facilities to make sure that we are in compliance with everything we have to do. So why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, good morning. This is Alex Balaki, first deputy coroner at the Montgomery County Coroner's Office. And thank you again for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. And, um, you know, I know we had, a, um, I had an opportunity opportunity speaking with you um, a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, again, I thank you, you know, for taking that time out with me. You know, and it was, I was curious because, like I said, I had to work at a facility and um, they told me I had to report to the coroner's office. And so that's why I really wanted to put this information out there. And just um, talk about, you know, what um, warrants a call to the, cor- the coroner's office and, you know, what tips you can give us so that when our nurses have to, you know, do call, um, what they can have ready for you. Yeah, great. So the primary reason for calling a death into the coroner's office is going to be when there is an injury Uh, around the time of death or sometimes as long as up to a year prior to death. Uh, And that injury is typically a fall, same level fall, Uh, could be something more severe or even um, less significant. But if that injury altered their life in any way, um, then the, uh, the call needs to go into the coroner's office. Yeah, and that was interesting because I know, um, I don't think we would, as nurses, we wouldn't think of that. And, you know, so that's interesting that you go back, like you said, for that year of when that person actually had that initial encounter, you know, that initial accident, you know, so we were, you know, or, you know, I should say myself was looking at anything that was like that trauma that happened, like right at that time, you know, you know, if I had to like notify you, if I were to have to have um, a CPR, you know, a resident who coded or, you know, a resident who might have falling and immediately uh, at the hospital and but you know to know that you go back that year is definitely helpful um, because I don't think that we were looking at it in that time frame Um, so what what type of information when we do have to call should our nurses have available um, for you so the, the majority of our death report is um, background information and demographics. So, you know, they would need a face sheet, uh, which includes medical history. We would be looking for next of kin information, um, you know, who their primary doctor is and the uh, circumstances, but also circumstances surrounding the injury. Uh, If it did happen in the facility where they died, we would be looking for information from the uh, incident report, something like that. So when it happened, how it happened, if it was witnessed, 
um, and that, um, and we would go from there. And then, so when we're calling, are you then letting us know, okay, it's okay to release the body to that funeral home? Yeah, we would make that decision by the end of the phone call. Um, you know, in hospitals, we can say, send the body to the morgue and we'll make a decision in the morning. But um, most nursing homes or care facilities don't have that uh, capability. So we would either be um, making the decision to send the body to the funeral home of the family's choice, or we would send out uh, one of our transporters to uh, bring the body back to our facility. Okay. Um, how important is that um, timeline for, say, coming on and uh, you know, I go in and the patient is now um, unresponsive? How important is that timeline of when did we last see that resident? Yeah, last being alive or spoken to is important for our records, um, especially, you know, what what their level of health was prior to that. Was it, you know, a sudden and unexpected death or were they gradually declining? Um, and there's a lot of different situations around that. But when they were last seen alive is important. And then when they were found, you know, what kind of state they were in, were they already in cardiac arrest? Was it an obvious death or did they have a pulse with shallow breathing? And then, you know, the staff worked on them and called 911. Okay. And I know, like you said, um, the most cases you're seeing are like falls with uh, major injuries. Yeah, most of them are, um, sadly, um, hip fractures, you know, femur, pelvic fractures, or head injuries. Uh, occasionally, we do have injuries that are longer than a year old, which which we can connect to the death, such as you know, major injuries of the, the brain or central nervous system. So if someone was in a car crash in the 1980s and they've been in a nursing home ever since with a traumatic brain injury um, and they die from complications of that traumatic brain injury, then we can make that connection. Um, but those are rare. Those are rare. For the most part, it is um, same level falls or fall out of a chair um, with a... Uh, you know, with an extremities injury um, to the arms or wrist or or hips or legs or ankles. Um, those are usually the locations of the injury. Okay. You know, well, thank you for that because, you know, I, I teach the importance of when we're getting our new admissions, where we have those interventions in place to prevent these type of occurrences. Now, granted, we can't stop every patient from falling, but the goal is to prevent. And like I said, when we're getting these new admissions, it's so important to implement interventions that can protect the resident um, from these type of injuries and these types of deaths. And, you know, that's why I really want to bring that connection with the, you know, what warrants that coroner's case, you know, the um, connection falls, the connection of lack of interventions where we're getting our new admissions so that we don't have to go down this road of having be reporting to you, you know, for having these type of um, accidents with our, um, our residents. So that's why I really wanted to bring that connection in because I don't think 
a lot of us are thinking like that. Um, you know, the connection between coroner's cases and, you know, our incidents and accidents, our admission processes are kind of all go together. And the better we can um, prevent this, the less calls we have to, um, of course, to you. Um, but, you know, it's definitely helpful information um, so that we can do better in our in, um, roles as nurse leaders. Um, so now when we're doing these coroner's cases, this is a county by county. Correct. Correct. Yeah. the The law, the Pennsylvania law, um, is is uh, in place to provide guidance to the coroners on on what they need to do. But each each office can have its own kind of policy as they go. Some counties might want uh, nursing homes to report all deaths. Uh, to them, uh, our county only wants, um, you know, those those deaths that are associated with injuries or unclaimed bodies. Um, so it does vary from county to county. And um, if your listeners are curious, I would uh, advise them to, you know, reach out to their local uh, coroner's office and see exactly what what their policy is. And that would that would probably be the most helpful in this case. Yes, and that's why when I was at another county, because I do a lot of traveling facilities, when I went to that county, it was like we had to, they said you have to call every death to the coroners. And I was like, I freaked out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing that for my county. So that's why, you know, I really wanted to bring you on board because I'm in the same county, Montgomery County. And, um, you know, I go to facilities all over. So I think it is important that, you know, the nurse leaders make sure that they are in contact with their local um, office to see how they are to proceed because it will be different based on the location. Um, you know, so that is why I wanted to bring this podcast out today, guys. So I hope you, you know, were able to have some helpful tips. Um, and then again, tie this into your admission process. You know, always think with the end in mind. Prevention is key. Always think safety so that we don't have to have these calls to um, our corners with these falls with major injury. And now that we know we are looking, they are looking back a year, you know, that's another way to back and trending our falls with these major um, incidents and accidents. Okay, so I thank you so much for taking the time out with me out of your busy schedule. Um, I greatly appreciate it. And um, I hope to talk to you soon. Well, no, not really, (laughs) (laughs) but but maybe for another interview on something else. Yep. Happy to be here. And my last piece of advice for your listeners would be if they are not sure of whether or not to call the coroner's office, uh, we ask that you do uh, as opposed to not. Awesome. Okay, guys. And I will definitely, um, you can find this in here. It will be on my blog page and um, I will be creating a tips, like a, a sheet with tips on it that you can have ready for your supervisors. Because remember, as nurse leaders, as a director of nursing, you're not in the facilities 24-7. So you want to have the resources available for your staff when you are not in the building. So I will create a quick tip sheet for you that you can get um, off the website down. And we will also be talking about this in the director magazine for Nadana. 
All right. So again, my name is Bill Keith Ali. I hope everyone have a wonderful rest of the day and I'll talk to you soon.